welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. There's not a more appropriate song than the one we just sang to, to match the passage we're going to read today. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to begin reading in verse 4. We want to talk about God's blessings today. We are blessed. Maybe you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, or maybe your Christmas didn't work out exactly like you had planned it would, but I want to tell you, the blessings of God don't have anything to do with finances. It has to everything to do with our salvation in Jesus Christ. Verse 4 says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who also, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. A woman was at work when she got a phone call from the babysitter that her little girl was very sick with a fever. So she left work, stopped by the pharmacy to get some medication for her daughter. When returning to the car, she found that she had locked her keys in the car, and she didn't know what to do. And so she called the babysitter to, to tell her what had happened and said, I'm not sure what to do. And the babysitter said, well, you need to get a clothes hanger, see if you can find one, and then you can unlock your car. Well, she looked around the parking lot, and sure enough, laying there on the parking lot was an old rusty coat hanger. So she picked it up, but she still didn't know what to do. So she just bowed her head and said, God, would you send me some help? Well, within five minutes, an old rusty car pulled up with a dirty, greasy, bearded man who was wearing an old biker skull rag on his head. And she thought to herself, this is what you sent me? But the man got out of the car and she was desperate and he said, may I help you? And she said, yes, you can. My daughter is sick. I stopped to get her some medicine. I locked my keys in my car. I've got to get home to her. Can you use this coat hanger to unlock my car? He said, sure. He walked over to the car, and in less than a minute, the car was opened. She hugged the man through her tears. She said, thank you so much. You're such a very nice man. And the man said, lady, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison today. I was in prison for car theft and had only been out about an hour. Well, she hugged the man with sobbing tears, cried out loud, thank you, God, you even sent me a professional. <laughs> the blessings of God. Have you counted your blessings lately? A lot of people equate the blessings of God with money. Some of you will remember with me Jim and Tammy Faye Baker used to be on television, the TV evangelists, and they raised millions of dollars. 
but because of some fraud and some mishandling of funds, Jim Baker went to prison for a while. He was interviewed later after he got out, or he, it was in a letter written to his followers from prison. He said, there is no way if you take the whole counsel of God's word that you can equate riches or material things as a sign of God's blessing. Corinth was a troubled church had all kinds of issues. Paul's about to write this letter and to correct a lot of things that he's heard about them. But before he does, he commends them and actually says, I thank my God always. And it's a present tense verb that says he continually thanks God for them. And here's a, a group of people that have all kinds of trouble and issues. And he thanks God for them and prays for them daily. He never forgets them, he says. That's a, that's a lesson there in itself that we ought to pray for one another and pray for our church and pray for people sometimes that maybe have some trouble and issues. But there are some verbs here that are passive verbs, which means this, that the action comes from another source. When it's a passive verb toward you, it means God gives you the strength or God gives you the action and you didn't do it on your own. And because of some of these verbs, Paul not only thanks God, but he thanks God for what God has done for them. And I want us to look at it for just a moment to see what God has done for you and for me through Jesus Christ. So first, let's look at the blessings provided, the ones that have already come. Verse 4 says, I thank my God concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. And in verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Now that word for in verse four indicates that this is the cause of his thankfulness. Look what God has done. I thank God thinking about you because of what God's done for you. It's not anything they had done in themselves, but what God had done for them. And the focus is on Jesus. Ten times Jesus Christ's name is used in these ten verses, or, or in the first ten verses. So he wants to remind them that the blessings they didn't create on their own, they came through Jesus Christ. What are some of these blessings? First of all, our salvation in Christ. Verse 4 says, for the grace of God, the charis, or the charis, grace, Grace is used 116 times in all of Paul's writings. It meant a lot to him. He was saved by grace. And grace sometimes is used as an acrostic, as God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God giving you a second chance. It's God giving you a third chance. It's God giving you a fourth chance, and so on. It's unmerited, it's unlimited. Grace is giving you what you didn't deserve. Mercy is withholding or keeping back what you do deserve. What do we deserve? The wages of sin is death, it says in Romans 6.23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. Here's what you and I deserve, because we have violated God's law, because we have separated ourselves from God, we deserve to spend eternity in hell away from God. 
And there's no way that you and I could ever earn our way back to him. But God said, that's what you deserve. But I'm going to give you my grace. I'm going to give you mercy. It's so unlike the world. You make a big mistake here, the world writes you off. It's good to know that God's grace saves you and God's grace sustains you. How much grace do you have? How much, how much grace has God given you? More than you need. And you'll always have it. Pastor Paul Reese tells a true story about a Christian nurse in his church that was working in the emergency room one evening. And the police brought a lady in, a dying girl. And they said, and the odd doctors examined her, a dying lady, and said, she's not going to make it, so just put her over here to the side and leave her alone. Well, the Christian nurse couldn't do that. So she stayed by her side. And while she was sitting there, the lady who was dying asked this question. Does God care about someone like me? And she went on to share with a Christian nurse about her sinful lifestyle. Well, this nurse was able to tell her how God loved her so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And all who would look to Christ for forgiveness would receive him and be forgiven. And she went on to, to talk about the account in John chapter 8 of the woman taken in adultery and how Jesus forgave her and gave her a chance to leave her sinful lifestyle. And as a result, this young lady, before she died, accepted Christ. And as she received Jesus, after she had received Jesus, and she was beginning to drift away, the nurse said that as she went on to be with Jesus, as she looked upon the dying woman, there was a look on her face of confidence that she was about to hear, then neither do I condemn you. Well, that's the kind of God we have. There's going to be several things surprise you when you get to heaven one day. One, there are going to be some people there that you didn't expect to find there. Two, there are going to be some there, some who are not there whom you thought would be there. But the greatest wonder is going to be that you find yourself there, that you are there. You're there by the grace of God and him alone. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of, bo not of works, lest anyone should boast. The second blessing provided is our security is from Christ. Verse 4 says, was given to you. And in verse 6, is confirmed in you. Those are aorist tense verbs. Here's what that means. In the Greek, aorist tense means it happens at a point in time, right then. Present tense, continuous action. Perfect tense happens at a point in time and the, and the action continues on. But aorist tense, it says it was given, boom, right then. And it was confirmed in you, boom, right then. So what does that mean for you and me? It means that there's some things that we have in Christ that we need to remember. First of all, your guilt is gone. Guilt and grace do not mix. You can't escape 
you, you can't run from God's grace. And when a man is guilty and helpless because God is holy, he can't ignore the sin. It's got to be punished. And Jesus took the punishment for us. He died for our sins. He put our sin on him. And he died and he rose again. And the same verse declares that sin's penalty also is removed. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Or we're told in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Grace and guilt, your guilt's gone. Now, I'm not talking about times when you feel guilty about doing something. I'm talking about your guilt before God is gone. That guilt and grace don't mix. You can't have both. It's either God's grace or your guilt, and God has covered your guilt with his grace. Grace and human obligation do not mix. Well, I've got to pay for my sin. How would you pay for your sin? You know what that's equivalent? You trying to pay for your sin. Do y'all know what the national debt is? Okay, I, I'm going to help solve it. I, I'm going to start to pay for it. Here's a penny. I'm going to help the national debt today. Now that's the equivalent. You trying to pay for your sin with God. There's no way you come even close. Same is true with human merit. It doesn't mix. We're saved by God's mercy, not by our merit. We're saved by Christ dying, not by our doing. The word confirmed in verse 6 means secure or guaranteed. It means to strengthen and sustain inwardly, to bring a firmness and a Christ-like character. It's a legal term that refers to a guarantee that the transaction has been settled. You are in Christ. Period. And God doesn't break the contract. He doesn't break the covenant. It's hard for us to fathom. It's a silly story, and you've heard it before. Some of you have. After 20 years of shaving himself, a man decided he'd had enough. He's going to let the local barber do it from now on every day. So he went to a barber shop that was owned by the pastor of the town's Baptist church. And the barber's wife was the one who did the shaving. Her name was Grace. Grace gave him a shave, said that'll be $20. And he was $20. So he gave her $20 and he thought the price was a little high. He went to work. The next morning he got up, looked in the mirror, and his face was still smooth. Just like he'd been shaved. Two weeks later, still no whiskers. So we went to the barber shop and he asked the pastor, he said, you know, I thought $20 was high, but, but my whiskers aren't coming back. And he said, well, you were shaved by grace. Once shaved, always shaved. Let me tell you, you are saved by grace. Once saved, always saved. 
Now, those people who don't like that phrase will say, well, what about somebody who said they were saved and they don't live like they are? Well, just because somebody says they're saved doesn't mean they are. But once you have been saved by the grace of God, he not only wipes away your guilt, but he sustains you. In fact, that's the third blessing that's been provided, our standing in Christ. It says in verse um, 6, even the testimony of Christ. The word testimony is the one, the word martyrion. And we sometimes think of somebody giving a testimony, you know, to speak about Christ. Now, that is part of it. But the word here means that something, the gospel itself is in you. It's not something you're saying. You're proof of the gospel. The testimony of Christ in you is proof that the gospel is true. Because your life has been changed. That Paul told Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, of the truth that's in you. In 1 John 5, 11, John tells the witnesses this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The greatest testimony is not the message of salvation or, or about the message of salvation. It's the salvation in a person's life is the greatest testimony. Can you think about where you would be if you didn't know Jesus today? It's confirmed in us. You've been saved in Christ. You are secure in Christ. Today you're standing in Christ. What a blessing. But what about the blessings that are present? Look at verse seven, Look at verse 5. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. And then in verse 7, so that you come short of no gift. Several things here. First of all, notice your sufficiency in Christ. You are enriched. The word is interesting. It's the word plutos. A plutocrat. You know what a plutocrat is? It's a person who's wealthy, considered wealthy, somebody who goes first class in every way. It says you are enriched in Christ. Passive verb, which means God has enriched you in Jesus Christ. You didn't enrich yourself. He gave it to you. We are enriched in everything in him. We have been given God's power. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, God's divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Colossians 2.10 says we have been made complete. 1 Corinthians 3.21, all things belong to us. Most of you in here were born. There may be a couple from another planet, but most of you are in here for were born, right? When you were born, were you complete? In other words, you didn't come in partially born. You didn't come in without any arms, and then later there, your folks added arms to you later, right? You understand what I'm asking here? Now, you were small, a lot smaller, and you had a lot of growing to do, but you were complete. I want you to understand something here. Because you're going to be told from time to time that when you come to Christ, you got part of it, and now you need another part of it here and another part of it here. 
But the scripture says, you have been made complete in Jesus Christ. You can't get any more salvation than you already have in Jesus Christ. You don't add to it. There's not any extra blessings that come um, that, that make you more saved. Now, their blessings will come, but in Christ you have been made complete. Nothing else is added. The whole book of Colossians is about the sufficiency of Christ. And in Galatians, it basically says Jesus Christ plus nothing equals salvation. Another blessing is our speaking about Christ in all utterance or speech of telling of God's truth. You may say, well, I, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I don't have a magnetic personality. How can I speak for Christ? You know why you can? Because you have him inside. You have a life that you had before Jesus. You have a life when you came to Christ. How'd you come to Jesus? And the life since you've done that, you are a testimony of his salvation. And let me remind you, you'll never witness to anyone ever that the Holy Spirit's not already there. You can't outrun the Holy Spirit. You can't, out, you can't beat him to the punch. He's already there. You might try this sometime. Next time you're eating at a restaurant and you have a, a server if it, now you only do this if you ask the blessing before your meal. <laughs> but if you're getting ready to ask the blessing or you're, a, you're, you're getting close, you, you might say sometime, you know, we're going to ask, we're going to thank God for our meal and pray. Is there any way we can pray for you? You'll catch them off guard. It may open a door for you to talk to them about the Lord. Speaking about Christ is a blessing. You have what you need to do it. You're a living, you are living proof of the testimony of Jesus. You also have spiritual knowledge of Christ. He says you have all knowledge. Now, that doesn't mean you know everything, but you know what you need to know for salvation. Isn't it amazing how people are wrapped up in knowledge? The Greeks were wrapped up in knowledge. In fact, they, they thought knowledge was everything. Wouldn't they have liked to have seen the Internet? Y'all do know that everything you read or hear on the Internet is not true. Not everything is true. You do know Siri is not a real person or Alexa or whoever it's amazing to me how people just just take everything like it's the truth. They they won't they don't some people don't even listen to those who are older than them and have been more experienced because they've read something new somewhere. Not everything you see on the news is true. But we're giving everything we need to know to effectively speak about Christ. I was lost in my sin. Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for the world. He rose again 
I'm saved by faith. I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Gave my life to him. I mean, that's not hard, is it? Is it true? Is it really true? Do y'all believe that? Yeah, it's true. We know it's true because of why? Because it's happened to us. We've had blessings provided through Jesus Christ. We have blessings that are present right now that we're available to have and to be part of. But we also have some blessings that are promised. These are some of the best ones. Verse 7, it says, Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The first promise is the second coming of Jesus. We're looking for him. Eagerly awaiting means to wait with anticipation, but it also means to, to wait with activity. And folks, the word revelation speaks of the unveiling of Jesus Christ. John wrote about that in the book of Revelation. It means the unveiling. What's going to happen when Jesus returns? I can share with you at least five things that are going to happen. First of all, Jesus Christ is going to be recognized and exalted. Those people who have made fun of Jesus, those people who have used Jesus as a slang term, they're going to know Jesus is real and that he is God. He's going to be unveiled. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Also, it means Satan's going to get his finally. Y'all understand what that means? He's going to be defeated, be cast away into the lake of fire. Finally, I'll be looking forward to the day when that happens. It means that justice will happen for the martyrs, those who've given their life following Jesus Christ. They're going to be shown they were right. They were correct. It's going to mean judgment for those who've rejected Jesus Christ. And it's also going to mean heaven for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. The second coming is the greatest promise next to our own salvation that we have. But it also, what are you going to do in the meantime? How are you going to hang in there? Well, look at verse 8. You'll notice the steadfastness of Christians. He will confirm you to the end. The word confirm means he's going to hang on to you. You don't have to hang on to him. Let me ask you this. Did you save yourself? So do you keep yourself saved? No. You save yourself in the first place. How can you keep yourself saved? You're saved by the grace and mercy of God and Jesus Christ will confirm you to the end. He hangs on to you. He's not going to let go of you. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's a promise. That's a promise. I won't ever leave you or forsake you. I will confirm you. He will confirm you to the end. And then notice this, the spotlessness of Christians. You're blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does blameless mean? Without accusation. At the time, every true believer of Christ will not be charged. We, I mentioned this earlier in the month. I'm not sure which Sunday it was right now. I can't remember. 
But a lot of you are afraid or nervous about seeing Jesus because you think he's going to have his list with him. Let's see, David Wilson, let me find you here. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's a couple of things I need to get right with you first. No. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that's going to meet you when you see Jesus. Blameless. God looks at you as if you've never sinned. Isn't that incredible? I got amused as a lady by the name of Janelle Adams in Sumas, Washington wrote this. She said, our son Jonathan asked Jesus to come into his heart when he was four. A few months later, as I was getting him ready for bed, he asked in all seriousness, four years old, Mom, what did I used to do when I was wicked? We all know what we used to do. But the promise is that he holds us blameless until he comes. You'll also notice the steadfastness of God is promise. Verse 9 says, God is faithful. Why do we have hope? Because of the faithfulness of God. God has not changed past, present, or future. God's word is true. Faithfulness is God. In fact, that's the way it's written in the Greek. It's written in to, to emphasize it for emphasis. It says faithful is God. We are sure of his grace because God is faithful. God doesn't lie. And last of all, we have the sharing with Jesus Christ. Fellowship, it says in verse 9, the fellowship of his son. Koinonia means partnership or oneness. Koine Greek was the common Greek. We've been called into common ground with the Son of God. We have fellowship with Jesus Christ. How could he do that? Didn't we just celebrate yesterday him coming to the earth to become one of us? So Jesus came in the flesh, tempted just like you and me, but without sin. Can you imagine having a perfect teenager? Think about it. And then Jesus had half-brothers, half-sisters. Mary had other children by an earthly man, by Joseph. But Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. His bloodline came from the Heavenly Father, so he was born sinless, not with a sinful nature like we are. He was tempted to sin, but never sinned. Can you imagine having a perfect kid? Can you imagine being the half-brother of Jesus or half-sister? I wonder how many times Mary said, why can't you be like Jesus? <laughs> why can we have fellowship with him? Because he's one of us, only without sin. So Jesus understands your temptations. He was tempted at all points. He understands your grief. 
He cried at the tomb of Lazarus. He cried over Jerusalem. He understands frustration. He drove out the money changers. He understands anger. He understands laughter and joy. And we're told that we can come to his throne of grace boldly at any time because he's our high priest and he's acquainted with us. We have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Every other religion on the earth is afraid of their God, trying to appease them. Our God, the only God, by the way, wants to have fellowship with us. Amen. So the one mediator between God and man, the only one who was God and man could take the hand of God and take the hand of man, Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, you're just a religious person. But you can have him today. Because of God's grace and because of God's mercy, he offers it to you and me. How do you do that? You first have to admit you need him. You have to admit you're a sinner. I know I'm separated, God, I know that. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I believe that Jesus came and dwelt among us and was one of us and died for my sin and rose again. And Lord Jesus, I commit my life to you right now. I want you to come in and save me. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I pray for those today who need to know Jesus. Oh, they've got a head knowledge about him, but they've never committed their life to him. So Lord, would you now draw them to you and convince them and convict them of their sin? and convince them of their, your love for them. I pray for anyone who doesn't know Christ that you would save them because of their commitment to you. And Lord, I pray you give them courage to stand for you, to even follow through with the first act of obedience and that's to be baptized to show the world they've given their life to you. They're going to need a church. Lord, put them in the church you want them to be in. If it's this one, I pray they'll come be a part of it. If it's someplace else, I pray they'll go be part of it. There's some that have any areas of their life that they're concerned about that they would just confess it to you now and restore the fellowship with you. But I pray, Lord, that during this time, that people would be drawn to you. In Jesus' name. Would you quietly stand and would you keep your heads bowed? Just, just give me a couple of minutes. We're just about finished. But there may be someone here today who needs to receive Christ and, or maybe he's got something on their heart. They just need a pastor to pray with them. There are pastors here at the front to pray with you as you come. We're not going to be looking around. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. But that tug at your heart may be the Holy Spirit saying, this is what I want you to do. Would you come on this verse right now? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment 
or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.